Produced by women, about women. Powerful Women Let's Talk is a series of interviews with women who are trailblazers and have helped shape our world, transforming who we are and how we live. Hello, everyone. Time for Powerful Women Let's Talk. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Jennifer Moss. It is a pleasure to bring you today's powerful woman, Dr. Candace Smith-King. Dr. Candace Smith-King is a pediatric specialist in Grand Rapids. She completed her residency at Grand Rapids Medical Education Research Center at MSU, and she currently practices at Helen DeVos Children's Hospital. She's a Corwell Health West leader, formerly Spectrum, of course, who was recognized for her work in diversifying West Michigan's healthcare providers. The Vice President of Academic Affairs of Corwell Health West, Dr. Smith-King recently received the 2022 Health Equity Award from the Greater Grand Rapids NAACP in recognition of her work here in West Michigan. Smith-King was awarded at the 56th Annual Freedom Fund Gala that was back in October. And of course, that has powerful woman written all over it. Welcome, Dr. Thank you. Candace Smith-King. Thank you very much. So before we dive in, uh, just a little bit more about Dr. Smith-King, a board-certified pediatrician. She joined the academic general pediatrics practice at Helen DeVos Children's Hospital back in 2009 which offered her the opportunity to teach medical students and residents while caring for the underserved. Now, this teaching opportunity was expanded in 2012 when she became the program director for the Pediatric Residency Program, and that program supports diversifying the resident physician workforce. So, again, glad to welcome you, Dr. Candace Smith-King, to Powerful Women. Let's talk. Thank you. Thanks for that wonderful introduction. So we're going to talk about it. You have quite the accomplished uh, career. My first question, of course, is when we look at this, are you enjoying the journey? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because it's um, it's all unexpected, meaning that, you know, a lot of times I think we plan for certain things and we mm-hmm. try to make things happen. But all of the opportunities that have kind of come my way have fallen into my lap, meaning I felt like they were led by God. I was just in the right place and God was like, you can handle this and you can do this now. And so therefore it just naturally happened. Um, my role leading the PEDS residency program naturally happened. My role leading GME across all of Corwell Health West naturally happened. And then my opportunities to diversify our residency programs just naturally happened. Yeah, and so as you look at those that residency program, how important is that as we talk about opening doors for persons of color along on their journey? And of course, you had that too, and we'll talk about any barriers mm-hmm. you may have faced in a moment, but how important is that program? So when you think about the journey of becoming a doctor, right? You've got, first you've got to get through your undergraduate degree, Mm -hmm. and then you still have to go through medical school. Then after medical school, you have to go train somewhere for three to seven years in a residency program. And so usually by the time you're in residency, you're in your mid twenties, you're closer to settling down. And so being able to bring people to Grand Rapids who look like me, in their mid-20s and hopefully capture them and encourage them to stay after they finish training here is really how I hope to diversify the physician community in Grand Rapids. Um, It really just gives us the opportunity to get people here, their captive audience for three to seven years, hopefully connect them to the community, connect them to one of the wonderful things happening in Grand Rapids, help them connect to our patients and, and, and encourage them to stay here. And in reading some of your bio and some other information, that is really needed mm-hmm. here in West Michigan to see and to encourage other persons of color along the way because mm-hmm. it, there's a very small percentage from yes. what I understand. Yes, there's there's, uh, there's not a lot of physicians of color in Grand Rapids. And 
historically speaking, physicians of color love to take care of the underrepresented, our patients who struggle, our patients who come from those similar environments. Um, and so by expanding that, we're really serving the needs of the community at a different level. And there, that way we don't have the gaps that we have now in care. Speaking of those gaps and such, mm-hmm. what are some of the barriers then that you face? Because if there's a need for such a program, mm-hmm. then clearly there have been maybe some obstacles or some yeah. barriers that you may have encountered along the way. What are some of those uh, things as you talk about creating uh, opportunities for others and encouraging them to stay? What are some of the things that you perhaps faced along on your mm-hmm. journey? No, definitely. So, so one of the biggest barriers probably um, are, is just the expectation, the work hours, right? So as, as physicians in training, our residents and fellows work up to 80 hours a week. And so when I was a resident, I had a daughter. Um, I, I start When I started out residency, my daughter was seven. And so trying to juggle being a parent and working those types of hours, being gone for 30 hours at a time, because at that time we could work 24 hours plus another six. So being gone for 30 hours at a time, the biggest barrier was making sure that my daughter still knew me as the mom and we still had a good relationship. So without the support of my family, I really would not have been successful going through residency. And I think a lot of people really, speaking of myself, I would have really struggled had I not had a family, a supportive family system. My parents, neither of them were, there was not a question about, well, can you, can you keep my daughter while I'm working an overnight shift? It was an expectation. They just expected themselves to step in and do that. And I appreciated that. But that was probably the most significant barrier um, for me was juggling being a parent, a good parent and juggling being a resident and a physician in training. And so having that support, such as you provide through this residency program as yeah. well, that support is key. It's, it's key. And then even the mentorship, right? So if you look at going through residency as a, as a black woman, being the only black woman in my residency program, who did I have to mentor me? Right. Who's going to look out and who's going to look at me and say, hey, Candace, what do you need? How are you really doing? And so one of the barriers initially I had was finding a mentor who looked like me. And so what I really had to learn how to do was find mentors who maybe did not look like me um, until other mentors came along. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was probably one of the other barriers was just feeling like somebody was looking out for me, somebody, somebody that I could connect with and really just to support me along the way. Absolutely. And so as you look at overcoming and and dealing with some of those barriers, how did you then uh, move to become comfortable in your Mm -hmm. own skin and find your own voice along the way? Because Mm -hmm. clearly being the head of that program now and moving forward with those types of things and trying to keep that and and create that equitable space. Mm -hmm. How did you get your own voice Mm -hmm. and discover that? It's it's funny. I I think it just kind of came naturally after a few after that first year of residency, that first intern year where you're just really kind of confused and you really don't know who you are. My confidence just kind of came probably within my second year of residency. And I was like, okay, I need to take control of what's happening in this situation and in my life and with my patients. Um, I think I just came to a point in my life where I knew that if whatever I wanted, I needed to go for it myself. And then needed to find the right people to help me be successful. And that's really what I did. Um, my second or third year of residency, a mentor came back to uh, Helen DeVos at the time, Dr. Lisa Lowry. And when I, when she came back, took Helen DeVos. Um, it was just what I needed. It was the the oomph that I needed. It was the connection that I needed, the support I needed. And it allowed me to persevere through the rest of residency. But it also helped me find my voice because I could. we almost like worked together on just everything that we needed to do to help start diversifying the Grand Rapids community. And so um, I think partnership, collaboration, and, and having a person who had the same, almost like the same ideas as me, really helped stimulate my passion and being able to move forward. 
like minds because she was one of our powerful women not too yes. long ago as well. So yes. that's kind of exciting. Yeah. So we appreciate the work that you do. So as you look at that and, and what you're doing, what about your leadership traits and what are mm -hmm. your styles? What do you like to see in people that you are um, that accompanying you on the journey or perhaps those you are mentoring or taking along mm -hmm. under your wing? Mm -hmm. I'm really a very collaborative leader. I, I'm, I, I enjoy listening to my team. I really do listen more than I speak. Um, that's one of the one of just I think it's just one of my traits but I find it to be really helpful I like to listen to my team members I like for us to come up with ideas together because I think if we come up with ideas and goals together they're actually going to happen versus mm -hmm. me demanding it from the top down and so I've I've really enjoyed being a collaborative leader with my team we still make sure we get things done there are times where I have to say okay this needs to we need to make this the priority but my team supports me. My team has come along with me on this journey. So when I do this work in equity, for example, we have the Health Equity um, and Leader Scholars Program. I have a team of people that I've kind of brought along the way to help do that work. And it's been really fun exposing them to the disparities in healthcare and why this is so needed. So those are just some of the things that when I think about leading, I like to lead a team and I like to lead with their input. And those on that journey too are just as invested as you yes. are or because you've brought them along with and so they see yes. the work and, and it's important to them as well. Yes. So tell me, what inspired you to become a, a doctor and then subsequently a mm -hmm. pediatrician? Actually, when I was in fifth or sixth grade, we I went to some program at, like, I think it was called Spectrum. It was here in Grand Rapids, but it was this ex experience where they were like, pick a project and you worked on that project for like the whole semester or something like that. And I learned about neonatology, which is the specialty where they mm -hmm. take care of premature babies. And I fell in love with medicine at a very young age. I knew I wanted to be a doctor. Now, I didn't know what kind of doctor especially I wanted to be, but as I went through medical school, I was like, oh, I think I want to do OB. I thought I wanted to do women's health, especially after giving birth. I had a daughter when I was 21, and so I was like, yep, I want to, want to take care of the women who went through this experience just like me, especially the young single women who people I feel like they just don't give them the same love and attention that they give mm -hmm. to some other populations. And so I really was like, I want to take care of single moms. But then along through that journey of residency, or medical school, I should say, um, I fell in love with pediatrics. I love, I didn't realize I love kids. One-on-one, -on -one, I could not be a teacher and have to deal with 30 at a time, but I can do one. <laughs> but you can do um, one I can do time. one. I can do two. I can do some siblings too, but, but I, yeah, I couldn't do 30 or 40. So I fell in love with pediatrics and I fell in love, I think, really with parents and being able to connect with a parent, any type of parent, and just try to help them along that journey of, of the struggles of parenting, right? Because I think as parents, we feel this pressure to be perfect um, and that we have to really do everything the way the book says. We have to take the bottle at 12 months and or our child is going to be ruined. You know what I mean? Just little things that I think um, as pediatricians we say, but we add more pressure. So I, mm -hmm. I enjoy I enjoyed the specialty of pediatrics because it just gave me time to support people to be parents, to be okay with making mistakes. All of our kids are going to need therapy at some point, no matter how much you give them or how little you give them, right? <laughs> we all need therapy. So that's that's how I fell into pediatrics. I love that. We all need yeah. therapy. Yeah. We do. <laughs> so, um, so many women deal with, you know, those pressures you talk about, you know, being a parent, getting it all done, balancing the, the mm -hmm. act of working and being a mom. How did you balance that work life? Because you have four children yeah. now, so and yeah. you're still working, and, and so <laughs> how are you balancing the work-life balance with family and friends mm -hmm. and the like? Balance is hard. It's something that I probably struggle with um, regularly. I don't. I try not to let work overtake my evenings and my weekends. I think that's really where I turn turn things off. I really try to keep my family really organized so that 
every day we know who's cooking. So I don't have those pressures, right? So I live in a, a multi-generational home. So there's four adults in the home, me, my husband, and my parents. So on Monday, my husband cooks on two. So there's a different person who cooks every day. There's a different person who helps with the kids every day. Um, and so that's really how I find my balance is, is using my support system. But I also make it a point to have the evenings and weekends to myself. On weekends, I take my time, I relax, I watch TV, I, I, um, I love working out. So those are the things that help me find balance. And I don't mm -hmm. mind, I've learned to be comfortable saying no. Um, I've learned to say, that's nope, huge. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, nope, that's going to interrupt my personal time. I'm not going to be gone more than one or two evenings during the week because I feel like that just disrupts me. It makes me feel like I'm not being a good parent just because I'm not home. Because my youngest kids, are they're 12 and 15, and, and I know that five years from now, they won't be around, you know, they won't mm -hmm. be home as much. So I'm trying to take advantage of this time while I have it. Absolutely. And again, that key also to help with that is that support system that you yes. have. Yeah. Easy breezy yeah. question for you. What <laughs> makes you laugh? Oh, gosh, I love reality TV. Do you? I probably laugh at reality. Oh, yeah. Just, because it's it just, so crazy. It's just so crazy. Yeah, it's just so un unbelievable. And is sometimes. it real? No. Yeah, yeah, it's not. That's probably one of the things that makes me laugh. My 12 year old daughter makes me laugh. Her and my mom. So um, my 12 year old daughter and my mom are pretty much are the same person. Um, oh, that's it's, funny. So it's just it's just a joy um, to watch those two together. And to be able to, to see that relationship, you know, how many of us have there, you know, how many of us live with our grandparents and have an awesome relationship with our grandparents. So I just love that probably makes me laugh the most. Absolutely. That's awesome. So, so much is happening in the world today, mm -hmm. as we all know. People are often looking for that word of encouragement. Do you have a word or a motto or just something that you find that you use to encourage yourself or others along mm -hmm. the way? I don't know if I, I probably do have. There's something I think about all the time that keeps me stable and comfortable. And it's not to compare myself to other people. Because I think if we, the more we compare ourselves to other people, especially through social media and all of the ways that we can, comparison just steals your joy. And so I really try to not compare myself. I just, I'm just comfortable in my skin. I'm just gonna be who I am. If I wanna wear jogging pants, I'm gonna wear jogging pants. If I, if, you know, mm -hmm. if I don't wanna get dressed up, I'm not gonna get dressed up. But if I wanna be cute today, I might be cute today. But Absolutely. I'm just gonna be comfortable in my own skin be happy with what I have. And I try to tell that to my kids too, just, you know, my, especially my oldest uh, daughter, you know, cause I think our kids get caught up in comparing themselves to other people. Like, especially oh, my friends media. are doing this and I'm, you know, and I'm still not doing this. Just be happy where you are. You are where you are for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm just being very comfortable not comparing myself to other people. And I hope other people can, can do that too. My favorite line is enjoy where you're at on the way to where you're going. Yes. Because guess what? Social media can make you feel like your life, you know, like your world. You're like, you're missing the boat. Yeah. And you're like, but I just did ABC. But then you look and yep. you're like, well, yep. wow. Yep. So, yeah, <laughs> so you're, that's a good point to just kind of stay low yeah. and just enjoy your life. Yes. For and what you've and been yeah, blessed exactly. with. Exactly. Count your blessings. Just, just think about them. Absolutely. You know, because we have, we have, we have tons of things to be thankful for. Sure do. You know, sure so, do. yeah. Dr. Candace Smith-King, yeah. such a pleasure having you here today. We really appreciate you, and I really enjoy this conversation, uh, catching up with you and, and yeah. finding out all that's happening. And I want to thank you, too, for uh, joining us for another edition of Powerful Women Let's Talk. I'm Jennifer Moss. We'll see you next time. Do enjoy your day. Produced by women, about women. These powerful podcasts focus on powerful women and how their strength transforms who we are and how we live. Want to hear more powerful women Let's Talk? Get additional interviews at WGVU.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and subscribe.
Powerful Women Let's Talk is produced by WGVU at the Meyer Public Broadcast Center at Grand Valley State University. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of WGVU, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University.